Hello, Heartlifters, and welcome to our bonus weekend edition of Soak in Living Water. We're giving some special conversations and episodes the spotlight right now as we talk about spiritual growth and spiritual formation, a very important aspect of our mission here in the Heartlifting community is that threefold cord of spiritual, emotional, mental, and relational health. And that is a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. And I firmly believe after living on this planet for so long and being involved in ministry and teaching and loving and leading and guiding others, that we cannot actualize and be spiritually mature in our faith unless we also possess an emotional and mental strength. And that's why we offer so many tools here in this community. And that's why I wrote Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You, because we need to know and possess such things as secure attachment, healthy assertiveness. We need to understand what it means to consolidate unhealthy memories that are trapped inside of our neural pathways. We need to have these mental health and emotional health tools at our fingertips so that we can actually live a truly eudaimonious, meaningful life. So today we're entering into part two of our conversation with Athena Dean Holtz. I wanted to bring Athena's conversation to us, to the table, because it deals greatly in an area we sometimes avoid, and that is that area of deception or spiritual deception. Athena's drive for affirmation and attention pulled her away from her family, her husband, her children, and into what she thought would bring her a sense of happiness or eudaimonia, as we say, meaning she was deceived though, spiritually deceived, we would say, by Scientology. She forayed into mysticism, and she spent 12 years in a restrictive and legalistic cult, and I would say marriages. And she lost everything as a result of that deception. Heartlifters were warned about such deception. We're warned. 1 Timothy 4.1 tells us that many of us will be deceived in the latter days. We will abandon our faith. I don't want us to do that. So we're here in this bonus addition so that we can really understand mm, what is deception what does it mean to be deceived and am i or have i been deceived i know i have i absolutely have so let's just look deceive implies the imposing of a false idea or belief that causes bewilderment or helplessness which is what I am working so hard for you not to ever be in a state of helplessness because that means you can't think for yourself, you can't believe in yourself, you don't know how to act unless someone tells you how to. I was involved in a church system for years where I had to go to the pastor and have whatever I felt I was going to do next be approved by him or the elders. Nothing wrong per se, but if you can't think or do or act for yourself, I want to say that's problematic and you may be being deceived. It also can bring a sense of confusion. In order, all of those things are in order to further the agent's purpose, to bring success to the one who is trying to deceive you. Well, we know it goes as far back as the garden. 
So in this episode, I just pray that Athena's story helps you understand deception and also know that there is great joy and redemption as a result of overcoming it. So you're very successful. You're moving on. Um, You meet Chuck. Yeah. And that was, he was another uh, Scientologist (laughs) who works in the advanced organization where they sold all this, I mean, just ridiculous amounts of money uh, that paid for these counseling or auditing sessions. So that was his thing. He was a writer, but, but he couldn't really you know, I mean, he he didn't really make any money writing. So, you know, this was his thing that he did for Scientology to clear the planet. And uh, so that was kind of one of those, (laughs) yeah, crazy, like I just happened. I married the guy without even knowing him. I was, it was crazy. Right. Um, Get it. Get it. Not the clearest of times, not, (laughs) not the wisest decisions being made. You're navigating life. You're trying to do, make your, make your way, but you did come to a point and I want to bring us there so we can kind of hear the, the beauty of the redemption and the restoration here, Athena, that you met Jesus. How on earth did a Scientologist, did a woman, very successful woman, even with all of the, the trauma hidden away, all of that high functioning, I would say, we, we like to call ourselves high functioning, <laughs> I like high that. functioning, um, overachievers. That's how we do it. Not, that's not healthy, but we throw ourselves into our work or whatever. And, uh, so where on earth, how did the light, the, the light of all lights come into your life? Well, maybe about three, two to three years after we got married, we, um, had an awakening that we'd been duped with Scientology wow. from that and did a bunch of new other new age stuff, ascended masters, all sorts of other channeling yoga, all that stuff. And um, we were uh, recruited by a friend into what was at the time uh, called AL Williams. It was an insurance. It was a multi-level marketing insurance oh. uh, company. Right. And, um, I got recruited in, I mean, the guy came over, he was a friend of Chuck's, but he was going for me because he could see that I'd been successful success, success. before. Yep. So I was like, Ooh, I got to make some money on this woman. <laughs> yes. So He recruited me. We got into this organization within AL Williams, which is now called Primerica. Um, okay. And uh, they were all Christians. Wow. And I, I'm telling you, I was the kind of person like Christians are idiots. <laughs> I don't need a crutch like Jesus. I, you know, mm-hmm. it, whatever. I'd roll my eyes, go, whatever. They're all getting up there saying, I made $50,000 this month. Oh, praise, praise Jesus. And I'm like, whatever next, you know, I was <laughs> so cynical. I was a Christian hater. I really was. I just, mm. here I, I got to the point where I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year. I, got I, this. I was one of the few women who had made it to senior vice president in that company. And, um, you know, I just really was not a very nice person about when it came to Christians. I mean, I be having been in Scientology, that was a, the culture was very crude. And it was, I read that part of the, the part of the 
just the culture was just swearing up a storm. I mean, I dropped shocked. I dropped the F bomb every other sentence. No lie. That is not an exaggeration. F and this F and that. I I mean, you know, just I like three packs of cigarettes a day. I drink a crazy person. I, you know, and so, and I'm, and I hate Christians. I just think they're ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I, I remember one person saying to me, um, when I was doing, I don't even remember what I was doing, but I was at this lady's door and she said, so are you a Christian? I'm like, well, I'm not Jewish oh, yes. and I'm American. So Maybe. Yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Gosh, yes. I had no idea what it, what it even meant to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, um, I was in just encircled by all these believers cringed every time I opened my mouth right and but they were praying for me how about that and pretty soon I'm just like you know just things are happening Mm -hmm. and I'm uh starting to just be more aware of how much I didn't like Christians but how maybe God was maybe i mean maybe there's something here just it was it was just a little time you know we can say satan gets a foothold and then god gets you know he's got the lights on he's turning the lights on here and there and everywhere for you he is and i um love that basically we just went through um a huge um it was just a storm Mm. that i had decided once we went through it he my husband was involved in all sorts of weird stuff where you, you know, you read all about it and all of that. And so he did something that got us basically in big trouble with Mm -hmm. the Washington charity, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and here I am selling securities and insurance. I mean, you can't, you can't have the word fraud anywhere close to your name. What he was doing was fraudulent. Right. And so I automatically was associated. I went, okay, we're done. We are done. You're out of here. Uh, nope. Bye. Bye for now. Yep. And, uh, and in the midst of that, he got saved. The, the guy that was his uh, manager in mm. Dale Williams called him on the phone and said, have you ever accepted Jesus? And he's like on a whim no, Hey, let me try that. Cause he was just, cr- I was leaving. He him. was crushed. Yes. He was crushed. And so I came home from a, a weekend and was like, who are you? What <laughs> wow. did you do with my husband? I mean, it was that dramatic. I like, bet. And so I just found myself a few days later when he said, can we please try again? Can, can you give me one more chance? And I heard myself say, okay, I guess we can try again. I'm like, I, who are you? <laughs> who said that? <laughs> and um, you did. Yeah. And uh, my, my manager um, gave me a copy of uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere oh. Christianity. I don't even remember reading it, but I read it and I was halfway through and I started bawling. I, I don't even know what it was I read that elicited that response, but it was like, oh my gosh, was truth. I actually need a savior. Oh. I am not all that I thought I was. Ooh, what a day. 
And I, I called him, I said, I think you need to pray with me because I think I need to be one of these Christians that now Chuck is. <laughs> and um, the amazing part is he, I prayed. And I mean, just like that, every F-bomb that was in my vocabulary wow. was gone, wiped away, mm-hmm. gone forever. I didn't even, it wasn't like I have to try and do better. Correct. No. It was a new day, completely clean slate. Yes. I love that as therefore I am a new creation. So that's what you were. Yes. Okay. Miss Athena, we could go on for hours and hours. I am so happy you came to that moment of light, but I did want to ask you, um, very, very, we can break this up into two if I need to, I don't want to rush you. Um, but one of the biggest, questions you bring to the book that was that turning pivotal moment for you was what is wrong with me that I would have allowed all of these things to continue, to continue, to continue in my life. And I know that we're fast forwarding through your story, but that's why I really implore everyone to, to get full circle and to take the time to read. It's, it's the power of story to help you look at, your, at some areas of your own life. But you came to that, I, I, you know, I just call it the tipping point, a spiritual tipping point where you go, wait a minute, why did I allow this? What is wrong with me? What is wrong with how I'm doing my life? Okay. Well, that and that and this question came after 13 years of spiritual abuse that happened right. after I was saved, after yes. I'd been a leader in the Christian community, in ministry, all this stuff. So yes. enough, enough said on that. But I ended up at the end of 13 years with no marriage, no business, no credit, no relationship with my kids. I mean, everything had been destroyed. Yes, And I had to say, I mean, I could point at the people who uh, abused me and the people who stole from me and the people who lied to me. I, I could do that because they did all those things. Yeah, because this was now, just to frame it for everyone, because we did hop forward so quickly. This was a legitimate church. This was a, this was a Christ following center. You were, you were now supposedly. on the path, supposedly, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah. supposedly. Once again, in this web of deception. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, after I came out the other end and realized that I had just given 13 years of my life and my entire 20 year old publishing company to these people who were uh, evil, they were false false prophets, false prophets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just got to a place where I said, Lord, what the heck was wrong with me that I would believe a lie is the truth and give up everything for it? I mean, I gave up everything. Your children too. When you were talking about coming back to your children now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I cut off the, you know, people like that, that uh, use spiritual manipulation to get to further their agenda. They will use scriptures that will get you to cut off anybody that doesn't yes. go along with the agenda. And my kids were those that said, uh, no, mom, no, we're not buying into this. So I, oh, had yes. to, you know, with the scripture of, 
you know, have nothing to do with them. They're idolaters. Yes. If you don't leave, exactly. Or like, if you don't leave your family, if you don't, I've heard those things, trust me, I've heard them. And I've heard, don't trust your husband. He's lying to you. Right. You know, these are, these are strong, strong people, strong men of the cloth or women, mostly men for me um, in that realm who are in the pastorate or who are in leadership. And so, um, you know, just lean in here. This is our lean in moment. I'm not going to shrink back at all here with you, Athena. We are speaking to being able to think for yourself, speak for yourself, know who you are, know whose you are so that you don't fall prey to that. So go ahead and just tell us what you learned through that, that is so beneficial for us. I'd love to. So as I prayed this, this prayer, Lord, what it was wrong with me, how, how did I get here? And he showed me, uh, the first big thing was that my woundedness from my life, because I hadn't let him in to heal it made me vulnerable. Oh, keyword. Yes. And if you look at any sort of, uh, you know, cult leader, cult leaders, all they prey on vulnerable people Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, they have a radar. They can Mm -hmm. tell Mm -hmm. who is vulnerable and not being healed of my trauma, that sexual abuse, that abortion, that uh, you know, domestic, domestic. Violence, mm-hmm. all of that promiscuity, all of that trauma in my life, I had not been healed of, but here's the, here's the thing. I was having been in ministry, working with Vietnam veterans, training them and their wives and their family members about PTSD, what it looks like, how it works here. I am telling realizing, okay, these guys don't have a corner on PTSD. No, here's all these women who are married to these Vietnam veterans who have a lifetime of trauma that is festering. Yes. And wait, wait, wait a second here. We got to understand this so can heal, right? So I'm like telling all these women, you need to let God into these areas of your life where you are wounded so that he can heal you so that you're no longer vulnerable. So so I I had that revelation (laughs) before I got sucked into the cult. Okay. So, right. So here uh, I was not practicing what I was preaching. I was telling all these women, you need to let God heal you. You need to get, let him get into those places of pain in your life And don't just think you're under the blood and you're a new creation. So you don't have to go back and deal with those wounds. They're not scars yet. They're still wounds. They're still festering and you're still being controlled by them. I was still being controlled by them. Subconsciously though, a lot of this is a subconscious control. And so we now know to call that, you know, a spiritual bypassing you know, where we just bypass those deep trauma wounds. And thank God the last 20 years, we're getting so much more neuroscience proof that we can rewire our brains. And so, yes. So you come to this revelation. Finally, you're like, Hey, wait a minute. I need to take my own medicine. Right. (laughs) And, and here's, here's the thing right before 
I got sucked into that 13 years of spiritual abuse. I, we had a, a, what I call lovingly a heavy revy from the Lord. <laughs> heavy <laughs> revy. Like, I love that. That's a book title. <laughs> we're, we're looking at this whole dynamic of, uh, PTSD and the wives and the trauma and how those wounds were controlling us because, because they hadn't been dealt with, we get triggered. We respond without even knowing how we're responding and it's not godly. And it's, and so God is not controlling us in that situation. That wound is so uh, the scripture in um, Psalms about, I heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was like neon. Love it. Okay. Let's, let's dig into this. So the word wound in Hebrew, when I looked it up is Aztabeth. Okay. And it said right there in the, whatever you call that, the lexicon concordance lexicon right 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 it goes at Stabeth. get ready it is an idol oh right what right oh i'm going into that today what? <laughs> so i'm like I, we're like sitting here at this cabin the three of us that were running these these teachings for these women going oh my gosh we're committing idolatry without even knowing it because because those wounds have not been healed Mm -mm. and the enemy doesn't care if we are aware that we're committing idolatry or not he doesn't care the fact is we were doing it yes and so that gave him legal access to come in and create chaos in our lives that's so oh my goodness it was like okay (laughs) let's repent Big lights now, big lights. We repent, Lord, forgive us for opening the door to the enemy through not allowing you to heal us and and being in idolatry and Mm. letting these wounds be our idols. Without even knowing it though. Right, exactly. But once you know. Did it on purpose. No. No, but the enemy doesn't care. That's deception though. That's deception. Deception wants to keep you bound to bowing down to other idols in your life. Exactly. Subconsciously for sure. When you have had that kind of, yeah. Oh, so powerful. So that was the heavy revy that I had that then I continued to self-medicate with work mm-hmm. instead of ministry, instead of allowing him to do that work in me, there we go, which led me right and made me vulnerable for this false prophet who came in and quoted all these scriptures and basically just annihilated my life for the next 13 years. Yeah. And so to realize that, that that was one of the main things that God had to show me, that was, that was how I got sucked in because I hadn't allowed him and I hadn't done the hard work. I hadn't done what needed to be done to close up those wounds and, yes. and, and make them scars instead of wounds. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that was the first. So when I realized that it's like, okay, I can own this. This is partially my fault that I lost everything mm-hmm. because yeah. I did not do what I knew I was supposed to do with the Lord. I didn't do that work with him. Mm-hmm. And, and then he went on to show me other red flags. He was waving red flags like crazy. (laughs) 
ignoring them. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I was groomed to shut them out. Mm -hmm. Anytime anyone questioned the theology, I had already been groomed to not listen. So, but because I was vulnerable, Mm -hmm. that, that was easy for the leaders to do, to groom me. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there was so many things he showed me where I was actually, rather than staying in a victim mentality and say, look what they did to me, which they did. Yes, they they did. They stole my $3.5 million company, but I let them. Yes. But we can go way, way back to uh, a maid, someone uh, helping supposedly nurture your life. Yes. 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 So yes, yeah. yes, so yes. <laughs> that turning point in my life. Yes. After getting out of that unhealthy, toxic, oh, sick, evil system of what was called a church, which was not a church. Um, that me embracing my part and being willing to say, I messed up. I made uh-huh. wrong choices. I caused some of this. Yes. I didn't cause it all, right. but I caused some of it. And so mm-hmm. owning that just turned everything around. It just made my healing wow. um, move in such an amazing, incredibly redemptive way wow. because I was willing to own my part. That's, that's one mm-hmm. of the biggest that's things it. that, that keeps people from healing is blaming everyone else yeah, blaming and shaming right yeah. pointing the finger yeah well of course it's a, it's a massive way of coping yep because we don't wanna, we don't want to admit no. i had a part in this mm-hmm. yeah and that humility at some point you do at some point yes yeah you may not have had a part initially right but at some point um you do right. and even if it's uh, at 40 or 50, 60, I have 80 year old clients. Um, I do. It's amazing. And I'm so uh, proud of them, but at some point you have to own your story. You have to own your part and you have to move forward and do better. Yeah. With that, anything, I mean, I want to just, your story has gotten so good. I'm just giving you a taste here. Uh, you have now met a wonderful man. I just want to end with this beautiful tale. Tell us about your, your marriage now and where you are today with Redemption Press. Well, I'm a pastor's wife and <laughs> his late wife of 49 years before she ever even got sick told me that, uh, you know, she told Ross if anything ever happened to her, he needed to marry me. I think that's so crazy. <laughs> I think I'm it's like, so crazy. I used to sit there in church and go, God, could I have a guy like that? I mean, mm-hmm. I'd been not been on a date for 14 years. I was wanting to have the real, a the real, real deal, healthy relationship. I never really had a healthy one. That's right. And, uh, so, you know, just fast forward through that a year later, I'm in uh, Texas taking care of my mom who had Alzheimer's restored that relationship was restored and with wow. my siblings and all of that and my, all my kids all restored but uh you know she was diagnosed with cancer and three months later on her deathbed she made a list for ross and said here's the five that i have chosen for <laughs> you but i was number one 
That's just too, <laughs> too funny. Good mom. Good, good woman. Good woman. Good wife. I know. I know. And had I not been in, in Texas, he never would have been able to date me because you can't just start dating women in the congregation when your wife dies. You know, no, I mean, that's just, a no, just no. no, you do not. <laughs> that's not okay. So God had it all set up. I mean, it was an absolute God modern thing. day Cinderella story. Uh, not, you know, not only did I become his wife, but the boat that he had purchased 13 years prior that they renamed uh, original name of that boat was Athena. I and know. And it said it on the curtains. It's in the curtains down below. I mean, they changed the name on the back of the boat, but my name is on every curtain in that boat. It's too much. It's too much. You can't make these things up, guys. You can't. I know. So this is what happens, though. This is how much God loves you, Athena. It really is how much he loves us and how gracious he is, even when we make so many mistakes or when mistakes are made on us, you know, he is a God of redemption. And so you did have your company wine press publishing where I initially knew you of and met you. Oh gosh, 30 years ago, but now God has raised up this beautiful press redemption press. Just tell us a little bit about that. And then we're going to go ahead and close out. All right. Well, God brought me back to Washington where I said, I'd never come back to. And that was where I walked into the arms of my Prince Charming and, but I was asked to come back to start another company that could help all of these wine press authors that had lost everything with the publisher as I allowed it to go into the wrong hands. And God just gave me another opportunity to really create a model that would be very much for the author rather than just being a cash cow for the publisher. And it has been just a journey of joy to watch God work to create this uh, place where not only do we, um, are we careful what we publish, we are careful what we publish. And we want to make sure, I mean, I Mm -hmm. wasn't careful what I published when I published that uh, Wolf's Fraudulent Wolf's Yes, when I published his book, uh, we weren't. We you learned a very out. grave lesson. Yeah. And yeah. so now we're able to really vet our authors. We say mm-hmm. no to people all the time. Mm-hmm. Good. We make sure that not only do we have people who need, they need what we are able to do for them mm-hmm. in bringing that book out and to the, to the market and, and to the people who need to read it, who need the heal, who need the hope of Christ. Yes. And it's just, it has been such an amazing journey to, be able to just watch God restore yeah. that career that I lost. Yes. And, and that you're so good at that. You're so naturally, as we said earlier, you know, we talk a lot here, Athena, about where do you start? And so I always say, start at Genesis two, seven, start at the beginning and allow God to remind you of what he breathed into you. I know. And that's, and that's good advice because yeah. he made us for a purpose and he did a real purpose. And when and we go through hard times, I mean, this life, Jesus said, you will have troubles. We, will. we get out of that. That's not like, oh, I did something wrong. So God is punishing me. No, Jesus said we will have troubles. 
We will. Take heart. I have overcome the world. So, you know, for God to be a Romans 8, 28 God, where he uses all things, even the bad stuff. He does. Uses all things together for good for those, but not for everyone. Yeah. He only does that for those who love him. That's and right. All according to his purposes. So yes. to go back to the beginning, what has he called you to do? What did he make you? He made you. What did he breathe this life into you to what? be and to become on this planet? Yes. To offer a piece of him to whoever is in your sphere of influence. And Athena, your story is a story of true redemption. I love that it's called Redemption Press. Um, I will put all the ways to connect with you into the show notes. But Athena, I just want everyone to get your book full circle, coming home to the faithfulness of God, because that is what the story is about. He is faithful. Even when we are not, or when we're in deception, or when, I mean, my story parallels a lot with yours. And so I'm just so grateful that he has a watchful eye. And then I do believe under all of that, you were a a young little girl, a young adult, a woman now who has always wanted the true light, true light. And as we've been speaking, I don't think you can notice this, but the light in your room has shifted and there's just been a beautiful light on you this whole t- as we've been talking through your story and i was like i am letting that be there i love that you the light has just shifted in the room and is now the beautiful light of god is shining on you right and so thank you for sharing your your hard story where you had to be vulnerable in all the right ways because we want to be vulnerable in our lives in the right way and tell our stories with grace and uh, restoration. So thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. It has been my joy to spend this time with you. And I'm just excited to see what God's going to do moving forward from here. He's just such a good and faithful God. And I'm glad we reconnected. I'm so glad. And I have a feeling we will have some questions and some people reaching out. And so I look forward to that. And I'll just make sure that um, everyone gets connected to the right places and people that they need to be connected to, to get the help that you need today. Heartlifters, remember this one truth. You are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear. You can smile at your future. You can actually laugh at your future. It's going to be good. Amen.